0: Hello and welcome to the One Short Podcast, the Sports Gazette's official cricket podcast. I'm Toby, joined as ever by Ayush and Michael. How are you guys? Good, good, not bad. Uh,
1: series is one all. Thankfully, it's not 2-0. Because 2-0 would have been difficult for India to come back, but we'll talk about that. So, yeah, good day as an Indian cricket fan.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm all good. A uh, couple of quality test matches, so yeah, I'm enjoying it.
0: It's not been bad so far. It's been been two very very exciting test matches, which has been been good to see. I think um, India, obviously the victors, um, which I'm sure many well billions of people will be happy happy about. Um, but yeah, it was a really good test match. India definitely dominated. They piled on 396 in the first innings. Jaiswal scored a brilliant double hundred. With no one else really putting on many runs beside him, but he basically did all the damage right there. England then scored two hundred and fifty-three. Zach Crawley, seventy, was the the pick of the batters really there. Uh but Jasper Bumra was unbelievable with the ball. India then went on score went on and scored two hundred and fifty-five in their third innings. Um and Almost put the game to bed. And I think a a few people were were questioning whether England had a chance chasing it down, but they were bowled all out for 292 this morning. Um, And yeah, lost by 106 runs, which wasn't a bad effort. So it's the second highest ever chase in India against India. Um, I think Sri Lanka um, scored a few more 295, I think I'm right in saying. Um, But that's not, not a bad effort at all, just to lose by the 100 runs. Um, I think we're going to start with the, the man of the era, Jaiswal. He scored 200 in this Test match. He scored a brilliant 80 last Test match as well. Ayush, I'll come to you first about this, but how good is he? He's only 22 and he sort of walked into Test cricket and just been brilliant.
1: He's fantastic. I mean,
0: and he already
1: has such memorable innings in Test cricket and in T20 cricket as well. Uh, there have been some innings from in the IPL, especially last season where you looked at him and you were like, wow. And this just shows his range as a batter, playing those kind of innings, striking comfortably. He, he can score hundreds at above, a strike rate of above 200 in T20 cricket. And then he can play this long, hard inning, score a double hundred in test cricket, which, I mean, eventually was the decisive innings of this test match, wasn't it? I think the next highest score... In, in this test match was Shubhman Gill's 104 in the second innings. So his 200 is just so good. And more than anything, like you mentioned, at the age of 22, it's the maturity. I mean, everyone around him's, uh, you know, getting out after getting decent starts. Almost everyone had a good start uh, in the first innings. And all the top batters right up to, I mean, Ashwin. Everyone had a start, but no one could get to more than, what, 34, I think, was the next highest score in the first innings. So it's just his maturity that he keeps going, not flustered by what's happening around him. He knew he had to be the man to help India get to almost 400, and he did exactly that. So, yeah, knowing when to attack, knowing when to take on the bowling, knowing when to just take it easy, and uh, brilliant. I think definitely one of the one of the top five openers of the world in the future. He's still just young. He He's going to be an all-formats superstar, I think, if he keeps going this way.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing him in the, in the IPL when he first came through. Was he only batting alongside Joss Butler for the Royals, I think I'm right in saying. He was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember him being ultra-aggressive and looking just to dismantle attacks from ball one. And not that it's completely different in this Test match, but... There aren't many batters who will just go from ball one and, and dominate. And he, and he doesn't actually, to be fair, he's, he constructs an inning so well, it seems, and just knows, even though he's at what only 22, he knows how to make hundreds and uh, and to just bat time, but at a very good rate, which I think is a very good skill to have. And he, he can be very, very dangerous in the future, I'm sure. Um, but you touched a bit, well, I just touched on it there a little bit, Michael, that Swell batted big and then Gill later on, Crawley a little bit. There were no hundred partnerships, though, in this test match. No one really stayed together for, for long. There were 1,196 runs. No hundred partnerships highest, 90 odd, I think, between Ayer and uh and Jaiswal. Do you think that, that was a the big issue for for England in particular, who had no one who went on to score any big runs and, and were only a hundred behind. In theory, if Joe went on and scored a hundred, England could have chased it down.
2: Yeah, definitely, particularly in that first innings <clears throat> when we had to try to stay in the game after a, a strong start from India. I mean, Zach Crawley batted really well uh, throughout, but we kind of needed him to have, you know, a Jai Swell-like innings to be able to compete. I mean, that and that's obviously easier said than done because Jai Swell batted amazingly, right? But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you mentioned Joe Root getting 100 there. That looks like it's not going to happen anytime soon, the way he's batting. I mean, his innings today was strange, he kind of got in, what was it, batted about 10 balls, smashed one for six, got a couple of boundaries and was um, uh, then skied one, got caught out. And uh, yeah, so I'm a bit um, confused as to what I'm seeing off Joe Root. But other than that, um, yeah, I've, it's just a shame no one really went with Zach Crawley. I mean, Bairstow kind of threatened uh, this morning, but... Um and when when those two were in, it kind of looked like we might have a chance of competing. But uh, you know, apart from that, yeah, I've, it was a strange one. I kind of struggled to play struggled to after getting in, struggled to start piling the runs on.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a bit of a shame. I mean, Zach Crawley scored well had two pretty good knocks to look like 76 from 78 and 73 from 132. Two knocks which are kind of Classic Zach Crawley, I'd say, where he maybe doesn't go big and in a lower scoring game or on a slightly spicier wicket could be very, very useful knocks. But he's not really gone in there and and absolutely sort of blasted through an attack. And I mean, you could maybe argue the fact that he had no one alongside him and that makes it maybe a little bit trickier. But I mean, maybe that's an issue. Michael, I think I'm right in saying you picked Zach Crawley to be England's top run scorer. Yeah. Um is that is were these the kind of knocks that you thought Crawley would, would have throughout or, or did you hope that he could go on and, and maybe make a big hundred or or even a double?
2: I think I think my thinking behind that was just because he's he's the form England batsman at the moment. He's he was really good in the ashes in the summer, and that was a bit it was a while ago, but he just looks so good opening the bat in with Basball. It's just it perfectly suits him. Um and I think I think he that aggressive style is just yeah, it's just perfect for him. 76 or 78 in the first innings. Really good. And 73 or 132 in the second innings, which doesn't sound as good, obviously, but I think that was a better innings. He looked really fluent. Uh, made really good decisions uh, when it came to whether to attack or to defend. Um, and he just hits the ball so cleanly. Uh, and against that India bowling attack, it's just so impressive. I mean, you compare Ben Duckett this series, he hasn't quite had the same fortunes, even though Ben Duckett in the past has been seen as maybe a better player of spin than Crawley, but it's not quite worked out as well for him. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Zach Crawley is, yes, yeah, he's one of my favourite England players at the moment and hopefully he can kick on. I'm not sure where he is in the in the stats, uh, in the run scoring stats, but he's got to be near the top. So I'm quite happy with my prediction. Ollie Pope's probably still at the top, but... um yeah, yeah, I'm I I'm I'm feeling good about that prediction.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's not a bad one compared to uh, my choice of Joe Root as England's leading run scorer and I think I had yeah, Jack Leach down as leading wicket taker. So, <laughs> not very really good options there from from me. But I mean, there's there's still three more games to go, which is crazy to think about. It's been a great series one all so far um i mean someone who who maybe might not have participated in many more test matches aish was was shubman gill he scored a brilliant hundred though in that third innings that that probably was the defining factor if he hadn't scored any runs india would have been bowled out for probably under well under 200 maybe nearer 100 um and i mean yeah how how good a knock was that from him do you think and and has he cemented himself in the side because there was a lot of question marks around him before this match
1: yeah i mean uh he's that that hundred's so important for him, not just in terms of for this game, not just for this game, but for him going forward as well. Like you rightly mentioned, because there was a big doubt, and rightly so. I I mean I do want to cut him some slack because again, it's not a lot of people are talking about the fact that he did. I mean that he did have you and it's it, it's a tough tough illness to recover from and of course he's been he's had a little bit of time since uh the tengu you know it hit him just before the start of the world cup and you know the weakness and the you know the effects on the body stay for a while after you've even recovered from the illness and that just kind of was kind of reflecting in his game he wasn't just confident he wasn't as energetic and uh then that hit his confidence because there was a string of low scores in the World Cup as well and he was just not getting runs in South Africa as well while that what happened in South Africa wasn't entirely his fault because the pitches were really tough to play on over there but yeah this one's a really important innings for him because uh talking about just the game yes I was nervous about the fourth innings even yesterday when England were what 60-70 odd for just one uh, chasing 398-399 because with basketball no team, I mean no team who's bowling fourth can be safe because you just don't know when it, it just fits for them and just everything fits for this England team when chasing and they get the job done because they're not afraid even yesterday Jimmy and Ben Stokes they were saying oh, yeah we're going to go for it, it doesn't matter I think Jimmy said that McCullum sat them down after the day and said, even if they set us 600 runs on the board, we're going to go for it. So, yeah, you're always nervous. And without the Gill innings, maybe the target of what was almost 400 could have been easily 300, 320-ish, something like that, at the most. And England would have really, really fancied themselves to get it done. And they did come close. They did score 290-odd eventually. So, I think very important innings. He, he definitely looked like in the second innings a lot more determined because, of course, he knew that his place in the team was on the line with Virat Kohli, KL Rahul, both coming back in the next game. So I think he's just cemented his spot for now. Of course, no one's going to be happy with just 100. And given what we expect from him, he's going to be expected to do a lot more. And I'm sure he knows that. But... Uh, Positive signs for Nagas. Shubman Gill a very important player for India.
0: Definitely, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of talk about yeah Kohli and kerahul probably being back for the for the next test. It's unlikely, I think, that that Jadeja is. I think he's out for a bit longer, and I think yeah, Jadeja.
1: They're saying Jadeja might not come back for the next game. He's almost certainly out of the next game, and we don't know what next as well.
0: Yeah, how how do you think India's team might line up? We'll talk a little bit more about the next episode before the next one. But do you think that? Shubman has just cemented himself in at number three now that he scored that good hundred. Yeah, I
1: think so, because he is, again, uh, one for the future and someone that India will be looking at to lead uh, the batting attack or to be the leader of of the batting in the future. And just he's just got back to form, just found his confidence again, and I don't think India would want to kind of drop him and raise a few doubts in his head uh, by, you know, not picking him for the next game. So I'm thinking he stays in there right now at number three. With If Kohli and Rahul both come back, I think Rajat Patidar is straight swap for Virat Kohli. And then, I don't know, then, I mean, that's where I'm a bit confused, right? Do they drop Sri Bharat and play KL Rahul who then keeps wickets as well? Or they continue with Shri who's been very good behind the stumps, I must say. His keeping has been really good. And you need a specialist keeper in these conditions. And so, yeah, do they drop? Do they pick Rahul and drop him or Shreya Sayar? Because let's be fair, Shreya Sayar, definitely one of the top guys in this team, but his batting hasn't really come to the fore yet. He's There have been a couple of irresponsible dismissals at his end as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure where they go with this, but um, I don't know, maybe a year sits out for me and just give Shrikar Bharat a little bit of a longer run with the bat as well and let him keep wickets because he's doing a good job.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what India's thought process is. I mean, there's obviously a lot of talk before the series and and even now during the series about, you know, England's keeper choice and Ben Folks was the number one, possibly helped by the fact that Harry Brook isn't out there because of some um some home issues he he had and he, he obviously dropped out of the series Michael Ben Fokes was phenomenal and and has really proven the selectors right in in allowing him to keep wicket. He took six catches, and I think most impressively, no buys, which is an unbelievable sort of stat that that he's not been let through anything past him um in that in that match how How good was ben folks
2: so good yeah, so good so he's he's an elite wicket keeper and he can also bat really well as well but I mean, the main thing is his wicket-keeping and he's 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 making himself undroppable at the moment, I think. And <clears throat> Johnny Bairstow should be really worried going forward because when Harry Brook comes back into the lineup, I I can't see where Johnny Bairstow fits in. And it's a shame because I love Johnny Bairstow. I love how he bats. But he just hasn't had the stats recently to justify his selection as a specialist batter. Like, uh, I mean... I, I can't, I really can't think of an occasion where I'd have Bearstow wicketkeeping instead of folks. Like, I, people talk about on the subcontinent, it should be folks, maybe at home it should be Bearstow. but just keep Folks in all the time. Like, he's the best wicketkeeper. You he know, never, he, he never seems to make mistakes. Uh, and we just look, we look like a better team with him in there, I think. And yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, when Harry Brook comes back in, where does Berto fit in? I mean, it's it's Berto or Oli Pope probably that gets dropped, right? I mean, what would it's got to be Berto? Well, what, what do you think? What do you think?
0: I mean, you can't drop someone who's just got a uh, almost scored a double hundred last last game. That would be absolutely crazy. I mean, I think Berto's hope is that Brook doesn't return for this series and and he can score a few runs and maybe find some form. I mean, I, I personally think Ben Folks has to keep. I think he's been involved in three. Hundred run partnerships in chases or or in games that England have won, um, often playing the the sort of secondary role, um, and I think that's probably his his best role is, isn't necessarily being that that bullish guy at the front who's going to drive England to victory like almost all of their other batters are. He's he's definitely a guy who might maybe goes under the radar and it probably goes against him a bit, but I think with the gloves, there is no doubt he's a he's a better keeper than Johnny Bess. And I mean, it's very hard to measure measure that kind of thing. I think buys is is a bit is a big thing. I mean, I looked at him compared to Johnny Bairstow recently. He's he's let through um he's let through barely any buys in so yeah I looked at the New Zealand series and then this series. He's averaged two point two five buys per innings and Johnny Bairstow in the ashes and against Ireland um last summer he averaged eight point two so folks is effectively in harder conditions is 5 runs better per inning so that's 10 per game. Uh so in theory Johnny Bairstow needs to average 10 more with the bat at least than Ben folks to be more useful. Just just looking at the runs, let alone all the catches that that folks might take or the dismissals folks might create by being better gloveman.
2: Yeah, I mean and uh like you like you just mentioned there he's he's really good in that kind of backup batting position like when him and Stokes were in today. I was quietly quite confident that we might chase down 400 because if Ben Stokes got going and you had Ben folks there on the other end like I, I feel like he's quite hard to get out I think I think he, he faced about 70 balls and he and he and then he was out to a really good Jasper at ball uh, and that was when he was in with Tom Hartley so yeah uh, I mean I, he's just an amazing player I think mean, he has to be in every England team now from now on I think.
1: Will they retain him for his keeping Cause... Or do you think in home conditions or conditions similar to England, they just go back to having Beesto? Of course, this is assuming once Harry Brook comes in and slots right in. That they just go with or let him keep wickets, because he's done that in England and in similar conditions, and they just again Ben Force kind of has to sit.
2: I think that would be uproar if if he wasn't selected in the future. Like I think he's really won the hearts of England fans and and I know. I know. Twitter isn't a good thing to go by to get uh, fans' kind of opinions, but generally, all you see on Twitter is people hating on Berto's wicket keeping and people praising Ben Folkes's wicket keeping. And I mean, is that, I think that's kind of justified. Like whenever Berto keeps, he's he's just he's not at that level that Ben Folkes is, and yeah, Ben Folkes just has to play, and he's a good batter as well.
0: I think, yeah, you can't underestimate Folks isn't as good a batter as best, and I think you'd be very hard-pressed to find many people who, who know cricket well and think that. He's not a bad bat, batter by any stretch, um, but he's a very good number seven to have. You probably couldn't bat him at six would be the argument, whereas Bairstow is, is... Well, he's a frontline batter who's learned how to keep, really. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think when... One of the things that maybe is a bit more sort of tells the story quite nicely is the fact that whenever Bairstow gets the gloves, the talk is always about the fact that, you know, can he keep? Is he a good enough keeper? Is he good enough behind the stumps? With folks, no one ever really mentions it unless he makes a mistake. And then you'll find a few sort of Bairstow fans who might be like, oh, you know, Johnny Bairstow would have caught that one or whatever it might be. And and you get a lot more the other way around where if Bairstow drops something, oh, would folks have dropped that? And I, I think... It's a lot more of a conversation about Bearstow's keeping with folks. No one ever really thinks about it because he is so comfortable and and so relaxed when he has the gloves and, and I think everyone kind of trusts him. On your question though, Ayush, about whether he he will keep his place, I think it's it's hard. England might look to use this summer to see if he if he can and, and will score a few more runs. I mean, the West Indies and, and Sri Lanka are coming to England. I think it'll be quite telling. If they go back to Bearstow because they probably want to see if he can keep. I mean, he's getting on a little bit. He's probably not going to be there in in a few years. I mean, Folks is only a couple of years younger as well, so it'll be it'll be interesting maybe to see what will happen. I mean, there's still another three games the series. Folks might you know lose all of his keeping ability and drop seven catches every game and miss all the stumpings and let through hundreds of buys, and, and that'll be something to look at. But I mean, for for now, I think Folks is is and has to be England's number one Gloveman. Talking about number one, Jasper Bumra, I mean, he was man of the match, number one bowler by far in the game, took six for 45 in that first te- uh, first innings and looked brilliantly. England batters just had no clue what to do with him, took another three for in that fourth innings. Um, and yeah, Aish, he was absolutely crucial in in India's victory without him. I mean, England probably would have scored a fair few more runs in that first innings and probably would have been a lot more comfortable chasing down the total at the end as well. Brilliant. I mean, just,
1: you know, Ben, ben Stokes' reaction after he got him out with a cutter in the first innings, I think says it all. Ben Stokes was, I mean, he just looks at him and goes, man, how do I play you? How is anyone supposed to play you when this is how you're bowling? And that, that I think that says it all with Bumrah. It's it just, that spell was some of the best fast bowling I've ever seen. From Jaspreet Bumrah, six for forty-five was it? I think it was. Yeah, six for forty-five or something. And brilliant bowling. This that delivery, that that Ollie Pope Yorker, that castle the stumps. I think that image is going to be is going to go is going to be circulated everywhere. People are going to tweet and retweet it and share it for years to come. And there were already calls to hang it in the Louvre in Paris. So I mean, that was just crazy. That's how good that spell was, that delivery was. And to get Pope, because the match was right in the balance at the time, Pope, given his form, if he would have stuck in, England would have gotten a lot more runs. And things would have been very different had it not been for that dismissal at the time. And brilliant. Just number one bowler, polls anywhere, any wicket, any conditions, and he's your man to do the job it's just going to be worrying when and if if and when india do drop him for one of the games how they're going to do that and how it's going to affect the team so yeah. that's my worry but we'll see because it's five test yeah. series and they might sit him at least once
0: no definitely on on the other side of things as well i mean india's spin attack didn't seem to be anywhere near as as dangerous as i'm sure they would have hoped they were out bowled by the english spinners who had three caps between them um, before before the game started and no Joe Root for that third innings as well. He only bowled two overs before going off the field with an injury. Michael, I mean, Jack Leach gets injured in the first Test match and in England's bowling attack didn't seem to really deteriorate that much at all. What did you make of the fact that Hartley, Bashir and Ahmed, who yeah, hadn't really bowled at all in Test match cricket or even really in any much Red Bull cricket, um, bowled so well and, and out bowled statistically the Indian team?
2: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, I think Jack Leach will be a little bit worried, to be honest, because Tom Hartley is coming for his spot in that team, I think. I, I, Tom Hartley looks like a really, really good player. And he's he's a much better batter as, uh, than Jack Leach as well. Like He's been piling on the runs. He, uh, I think he might be averaging around like, 28, 30. In the test so 28,
0: far, twenty eight and a half in the in the two test matches.
2: It's yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, so he's
0: yeah, a, he's outscored Johnny Best, though Rahul um, Rohit Sharma, Ravichandar, K S Bharat, Iyer, Joe Root, K L Rahul. He's averaged out out batted so many of them so far.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's just looked like a really good player. And he's kind of come out of nowhere, and it's it's great to see. So yeah, I think I mean, Rayan Ahmed is also looks like a really good batter as well I know that's not why we're putting them in the team but it, it really helps the tail you know if we have them at uh seven and eight or eight and nine like those uh tail runs just add so much to an innings uh and, like we saw Ray and Ahmed as um the Nighthawk last night uh coming in and uh he looked good like he, he bats really well um I know Jack Leach has had one of the most iconic innings in England test history. And we can't forget about that, but, um, I just don't think he's on that level batting wise, but I mean, he's much more experienced, isn't he? And that's why he probably, you know, has the edge on Hartley at the moment. But I think, I think our top two spinners are probably Jack Leach and Ryan Armad, And Tom Hartley is really knocking on that door. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's great to see. Like when you look at India's spinners, the fact that they're out bowling them in the Indian conditions, hats off to them.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd be really interested to see who how, what, what selection might look like for the next match if if Jack Leach is fit again. I assume Bashir might might miss out, which would be a shame. But
2: yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. But
0: I mean, he had a very very good debut. Didn't quite get the five from debut as uh, so many England spinners have done over the last couple of years. But, I mean, there's there's always an opportunity there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll be back next week as well to talk about the uh, the third test, which is in about 10 days um, and should be quite an exciting rest of the series, which we be good. Um, but at the same time, New Zealand have been hosting South Africa in what has been an absolute run-fest so far. New Zealand piled on 511 in their first innings um, at the end of day two. South Africa are 80 for four right now in reply. Ratcham Ravindra scored 240 from just 366 as well uh, in the first innings. Kane Williamson, 118 as well. Absolutely mental. They put on 230 between them. That is so rough for the South Africans. And I mean, it is a makeshift South African team as well. We were talking about it before. Not not many names out there who who most cricket fans will have heard of. Duan Olivia and Dane Patterson both played in England in the county championship a bit. David Bellingham has been really good for du- Beddingham. Sorry, he's been really good for uh, Durham recently. Hams has played a few games. Keegan Peterson, but yeah, very very few um, stalwarts of the South African side as well. Ayush, do you think South Africa have a chance here? I mean, it was probably a very flat pitch for for that to happen, but it's a it's a could be a really big challenge for for an inexperienced South African side.
1: First of all, Toby, absolutely okay with you calling Beddingham, Bellingham? Because, I mean, we're all, we're all, we're sports journalists and in the sports world, Bellingham is a name, I think we're saying at least 10 times a day. <laughs> so I think that's absolutely fine. But yeah, anyway, South Africa. You see, I, I think it's just three, four of the guys who've even played test cricket before. And uh, it's it's tough because I don't think even they came here expecting to do much. By the selection, it was really clear that test cricket is secondary for South Africa right now. To an extent, they're not really, or at least this series is, I wouldn't say test cricket is, but this series is not that important to them. But of course, we know some of the main guys are playing elsewhere, so they were not able to come here. But um, yeah, it it just doesn't look like they're really going to make a comeback or challenge uh, New Zealand, right? And especially in New Zealand, and they're 80 for four or something in the first innings already so it's tough i don't see a way to really come back but yeah some of the youngsters can really show their metal and show what they are made of and this could be like a, this could be a series that puts them in contention, contention for selection in future test matches and test series even when some of the main players do come back one spot is definitely open we know for sure with dean elgar's retirement uh, he's not coming back so yeah that spot is up for grabs we'll see who takes that up, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, New Zealand as well, Rachind Ravindra, another, I spoke about SSE Jaiswal earlier, but Rachind Ravindra is another guy who I definitely think is one of the all-format superstars for the future. And I'm really excited to see him in the IPL as well in a couple of months. Let's see what he does in T20 cricket under MS Dhoni as well. But yeah, I I just read this uh, something yesterday, for, uh, you know, from Ravindra, where he said that he was batting with Williamson, who was one of his idols. And once he gets to his hundred, was it? Yeah, Williamson just walks up to him and says, mate, you're unbelievable. And just to hear that in the middle of your innings, of your partnership with a legend like Kane Williamson, that that just cherry on top of the cake for Rachind Ravindra. And this is brilliant. And yeah, brilliant innings from him. Great partnership with Williamson. And yeah, 511, I think, just ends the game right there for New Zealand.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if South Africa managed to to bring it back and not lose by an innings, I think that would be quite impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michael, you've been a, a big Ratcham Ravindra fan for a, for a good few months now. Since early on in the World Cup, I think you spotted him quite nicely. How... Uh how impressed are you with, with him? He's yet yeah, again, as I just mentioned only sort of 22, 23 as well. And seemingly seems to be piling on runs in all formats.
2: Yeah. What well, can I say? My talent identification is on point. Uh, yeah. He's just, he's a star boy, isn't he? He's, a, he's the next big thing in New Zealand cricket. I mean, 240 of 366 balls. That is insane. 26 fours. Uh, Kane Williamson, meanwhile, one hundred and eighteen off two hundred and eighty nine balls. If whoever watched that, I am sorry, <laughs> he sat through that. That sounds boring as, but uh, not unlike Matt Henry's innings though. Twenty seven off nine, three hundred strike right. Fair play to him. But yeah, I mean, why? Uh, just I was just wondering, why are there no none of the you know big South Africa players playing?
0: They're they're all in uh, the SAT twenty at the moment, so. South Africa basically made an executive decision, saying we're not going to send any of our sort of best players who who seem to be sort of all-format best players like Markram, who you know plays and captains the T20 side, obviously in the Test side as well. Um, you know Jansen, Rabard, all of these guys, and Gidi—they're all playing just in the T20s to try and grow that side of it. And arguably, it's working. It's been a, a very good SA T20 so far, and I'm sure that's what they're they're hoping is to try and. Create some sort of money that way, which Test cricket never really seems to bring. I mean, I think it's South Africa where only India, and like most other sort of smaller nations, only India really creates a profit for them. Because although England and Australia have a have a big travelling fan base, they don't draw the same television revenue um, which India has, and the billion people at home who who you know love to watch Indian cricket all around the world. So, I think a lot of countries like South Africa could be looking to do this into the future, or or maybe they'll be you know, sort of test designated windows, I guess might be, might be the option.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Well, either way, it's a, it's a big mountain to climb for those South Africa youngsters, but you know, if, uh, if David Bellingham's any relation to Jude, I'm sure they'll be all right.
0: (laughs) Maybe, maybe there's long lost distance in there, long lost cousins. Um, And yeah, on the other side of things, Sri Lanka beat Afghanistan by 10 wickets fairly comfortably. Afghanistan put on 198 with a Ramat Shah 91, uh, wicket spread around a bit between the two Fernandos, um, and Jaya Saria took three for as well. Before Sri Lanka piled on again, 439 hundreds from Dinesh Chandamal and Angelo Matthews, the two stalwarts of Sri Lankan cricket have been around for a decade now. Uh, Krunal Ratne scored 77, really showing that you know age seems to bring experience and runs at the same time. It's you know not bad from from those three. Um, four for for Naveed Zadran as well. Um, and yeah, I think a few runouts in there, a few retired hurts, a few runouts um, from, from the Afghanistan side. Um, and yeah, then Ibrahim Zadran, who scored quite a few runs for Afghanistan at the World Cup, scored 114. Ramat Shah, another 50. Um, but Afghanistan couldn't put on anywhere near enough. 296, which left Sri Lanka with an so- easy 56 for none. Chase, Karuna Ratne and Madushanka. Uh, no, Madu, Madushka, there it is, Madushka uh, at the end uh, scored 32 and 22, not out. And uh, Jaya Saria took a five first, sorry, in the innings before as well. Um, and yeah, that was just a one-off test, which Sri Lanka seemed to win fairly comfortably in the end. I mean, it's good to see Afghanistan playing some more test matches again. They haven't played huge number since they were given their test status. But similar to South Africa, they were lacking a lot of their big-name players. no Rashid Khan, no Nabi. No Majeeb, none of these sort of of the world, the global superstars that they have were were given opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean, none of them. And that's a shame because seeing how much test cricket they do play, you want to have these guys each and every time they're playing anything, right? Uh, Again, I'm not sure about Rashid Khan's fitness right now because he did not play in those three T20s that they played in India as well a few weeks ago last month. And uh, he wasn't here, so I'm guessing Rashid not playing here probably has a lot to do with his injuries as well. But a good chance for some more youngsters to show what they've got. Uh, The case with Afghanistan as well. But yeah, for them, it's not just test cricket. I think in any format, whenever you're missing Rashid, Mujib, Nabi, and all these guys, uh, of course, some of them don't play certain formats or play it lesser than something else but whenever they are missing it's a huge miss right because whenever afghanistan's playing this having rashid mujib nabi and some of these other guys playing only brings so much so many eyeballs and so much of attention uh, to this afghanistan team and rashid khan not just in afghanistan or in asia i think he's one of the best uh, spinners in the world and one of the best all rounders i would say as well because he's more than handy with the bat calling him just handy with the bat and in the field would also be an understatement so uh, yeah he whenever he misses out for any team he's playing uh, for if he's missing out it's it's a bit of a shame but uh, yeah not a good not a good outing for them uh, the inexperience the Larger inexperience of this Afghanistan team falling short to Matthews and Chandimal, who just keep scoring runs. I mean, they're just unstoppable for Sri Lanka. And uh, Matthews doesn't bowl anymore, but he, he gets all the runs. Doesn't so, need to when
0: he scores a big hundred. Yeah,
1: he's he's just scoring so frequently for them, and Dinesh Chandimal as well. His career's been one of the most. It's been a very weird career in a way with sitting out, coming back in, sitting out, coming back in. But I think he's one of the more consistent guys for Sri Lanka
0: in the last 10, 12 odd No, definitely. Let's um, have a look at Rashid Khan, yeah, was injured, back injury, but he was due to play in the Big Bash, which he withdrew from earlier, and also the SAT20. So I think he possibly wasn't even due to play in uh, in this series, even if he was fit.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing, I'm guessing the Gujarat uh, Titans would also have of saying this, wanting him fit in one month's time uh, before the IPL comes along. So, uh, and he, of course, given what the IPL means to him and to other players from Afghanistan, I'm guessing would have also wanted to prioritize that.
0: Yeah, I'd assume so. But that is all we have time for on this episode of the One Short podcast. We'll be back in about a week, um, just in time for the third test match for England versus India. And what could be very, very crucial, I think. Whoever wins that will obviously take a two-one lead, but I think they'll have a bit of momentum and, and maybe they'll be able to uh, to dominate the rest of the series. Um, predictions, quickly, with from you guys. I want you know you've got a few weeks now before we we finish or the series finishes off. I want you to give me one prediction: who is going to win the series right now, or is it going to be a draw? Uh, I'll come to you first, Michael. Uh,
2: India three two. Think
0: sticking sticking with the same prediction. No, like, I went 3
2: um, 1. Yeah, but I, I can't see a draw happening. The game seems to wrap up pretty quickly at the moment, so yeah, 3 2. How about you, Aish?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit tempted to stick to my 3 1 prediction, but um, yeah, I'm not sure about the draws. I mean, like I said when we were making the first predictions, that the only test I could see being drawn was. Uh, next one in Rajkot. But the way both teams are playing, I mean, it's not just England. We know that they want results and they play that brand of cricket aggressive. They'll push for a result. But India as well, I mean, in the second test, they had chances to bat a lot longer than they eventually did in both innings. And they everyone just seemed to be in a hurry. Maybe it's India's way of playing as well, new way of India approaching things as well, or maybe just against this England side, wanting to counter baseball with a bit of, uh, not baseball but whatever you call it, India's version of it. So, yeah, I I am tempted to say three one, but I think it will be three two India.
0: Sticking with the same one, I'm I'm going to stick with three two to India. I think there could be a draw, um, but I think yeah, as as you both said, that neither team seems particularly interested. In, uh, in a draw and I think yeah India just have, have the edge I think it'll be re- extremely close in all three test matches I think in, England have already done better than a lot of people might have predicted uh, which has been impressive but yeah thank you guys uh, for, for joining on the podcast and we'll be back in just a few days time for the third test match see you guys next time
2: Sports Social Podcast Network